ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Ladies, welcome to this episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. I am so excited to have Elizabeth Santelman with Sunshine in My Nest on the podcast today. So, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to join you for Digital Coffee today. Yes, and I have been following you on Instagram for a while. So, I'm so excited to actually get to maybe not in person, but as close as we can get, have a conversation with you and let everybody listen in on that. So, I'm just so excited to get to meet you and have you on for the listeners to hear as well. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family? You have three boys, right? Yes. So I am a mom of three boys. Keaton is our oldest. He's eight. And then Cedric is five and Keller will be two in less than two months. And I, yeah, it is. It's so much fun to see the way that our stages have changed this year compared to last year and what it feels like homeschooling the year we just completed compared to the one before I had somebody ask me, um, they're like, I haven't heard you complain about homeschool in a while. (laughs) They're like, are things going better? (laughs) It's just, it reminded me like there are so like, there's so such different feelings connected to each um, homeschool year we've had so far. So our first homeschool year, we had a tree land in the middle of our living room to kick off the homeschool year. And, uh, so we were displaced. We were in an apartment that year Mm. and we were kicking off homeschool kindergarten. And so, uh, then our second year we kicked it off with having Keller, our baby. And so, uh, that was September. So right at the beginning of the school year. So I feel like I just now have had one quote unquote, normal homeschool year Yes, uh, this past year. So, and so what grade do you have? Is it just your oldest that's in school right now? Technically. So, uh, sorry, Cedric did some kindergarten this last year. And so they were learning side by side. So I had the baby turned toddler this last school year and Mm -hmm. then, um, pre-K kindergartner and then a second grader this past year. Okay. Awesome. Well, I am homeschooling my oldest. She's in first grade. And then my son is almost four, but he's just sister's sidekick. So he's in it. And it's amazing how much he's soaking up. That's crazy. I know. And then I have a just turned two-year-old little girl. And then I have a six-week-old baby. And it was so funny. Somebody messaged me and asked, like, how is homeschooling with a newborn? It's like, the newborn is a breeze. She just either sleeps or eats. It's the toddler that we're still figuring <laughs> mm-hmm, this out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, it's, it's a wild, it's the wild west when it comes to toddlers and homeschool. So. Oh, yes. And that's a whole other topic I'm sure deserves a podcast episode. But absolutely, this episode we're going to talk about really is more postpartum focused. Um, mm-hmm. And so we've kind of chit-chatted a little bit really beyond like even a six weeks postpartum into looking mm-hmm. at a full birth year, really just so mm-hmm. many changes, not just for a baby, but for mom and for family. And like I said, I am, you know, six weeks, seven weeks into this. So it is just right up my alley this time this season and really embracing it for all it is and having grace for all that it brings. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I find the newborn phase isn't like it, 
it's its own form. You're healing, your body's coming back together. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's regulating as you get accustomed to having another member of your family. But I find the newborn stage, you get a lot of help too, yeah. or a lot of people asking. And I tend to find like about the time I hit three and a half, four months, like, mm-hmm. or that three to five month mark, like where you've got sleep regression happening at that time, the hormones shift happen again and your hair all starts falling out. Yeah. Like something connected to that hormone shift in my body has been harder even than some of the newborn phase mm-hmm. of things. And so, um, you're right. One of the things that I've tended to focus on is not thinking of postpartum as like the newborn phase or even the first three months, but really thinking about it as being a birth year or holistically even thinking of giving over 18 months of my time to creating whoever the new human is for mm-hmm. our family. So you build them for nine months yes. <laughs> and then you um, acclimate them to personhood for nine months. And mm-hmm. just to assume that all of the other additional projects and hobbies and things, I'm just not going to have the same level of capacity for that um, really what my hobby is, is uh, launching a new little human into the world. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's an amazing, like it's the best handiwork that you could create. And I think sometimes we overlook like what a huge thing that is, you know? And I know there's the memes that make light of it and like, what'd you do today? Oh, I made an eyeball or whatever, Uh you know, but there, (laughs) there is some, there's some truth to that and some truth to like helping gently guide a soul into what it looks like to be in the world. Mm -hmm. And the more we learn from science of like the way that babies attach within that first year, like there's no replacement for mama's love and attention and um, making that a really soft year. Because if you're putting too much stress on yourself, you can't, um, you can't create a soft place for your baby and mm-hmm. for your other children. Cause of course I never want to um, sacrifice being a mother to my older children in order to be a mother to my baby. Mm-hmm. So, well, I know. So I just had my fourth. So I have okay. a five and a half year old, almost four year old, two year old, and then the baby. And yeah. it's been neat really this time more than any of the others. And I don't know if it's just because the older two are more older to comprehend. And then, you know, little sis mm-hmm. is right in tow, but it's been neat to really see just kind of the family bonding I've experienced Mm -hmm. that in a whole new way with this fourth one. Um, Whereas before it was really mom and baby. Now, I mean, all the siblings are wanting to help and wanting to bond. And, you know, they're like, mommy, you've held the baby. It's my turn. But that's been neat. And I know I have people ask me like, okay, how do you adjust kids? Or how, you know, are they struggling? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, we have some of that. It's it's new and it's different. And we have to navigate that. Um, But it's been sweet to kind of see that hey, you know, life's just going to be different for all of us, really, for forever on because we've added this yeah. new person. Yeah. So we're all just going to slow down. I know this has been summertime. So yes. we kind of knew ahead of time, and we told the kids, like, our summer is just going to be embracing baby. We might be homebound a little more, but what can we do mm-hmm. to make home fun and just yeah. kind of creating that atmosphere as a family unit? It's so interesting to hear how it is for every family Mm because my boys were not interested in the newborn whatsoever. Like, and I don't know if it has to do with like having boys or girls, but it was so interesting once Keller started creeping around and then all of a sudden they like locked in on him and they're like, 
wait, he's a person and he's part of us. Yes. And like ever since then, he's friend. been part of the pack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, until then, like if they just, if anything, they realized pretty early on, if I was sitting down and nursing that they had about 40 minutes to get into whatever <laughs> mischief they knew they couldn't typically do. Wow. And so I, this is boy mom truth, ooh, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. See, I, I feel sometimes I say, this is how it is for boy moms. And people are like, Oh no, my girls do that too. But I have no, ba- like I have no, um, uh, nothing to compare it yes. to. Like yes. all I know is what it's like to have had these three boys. Yes. And so I, d- I have a hard time labeling it because I'm like, is this being a boy mom or is this <laughs> everybody's experience? <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, that's definitely been my experience. Oh, neat. So, you know, what advice do you have to offer? You know, you've talked about this birth year and I love that idea of really just focusing in on this amazing task that the Lord has given us of just raising these babies and just some of that beginning time. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have some advice for how to make that a smooth process to really embrace that season? Because it's not quite the cultural norm that we see, you know, usually yeah. it's just get right back on your feet and jump headfirst uh-huh. into life as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, it's hard because it is the norm, like the bounce back culture mm-hmm. and it's just not it's not feasible. But then again, at the same time, especially if you've chosen a homeschool, you can't just take a year off educating your children and you still have to like, people still have to eat. You know, there is things that can help with that. Toilets still mostly have to be scrubbed (laughs) and floors still have to be vacuumed. And you know, there's, it's such balance. Yeah. I was going to say finding the balance in between all Uh, of that. It's so hard. Somebody asked me the other day, how do you balance it all? And it's like, I don't like, (laughs) we're all choosing what balls we're dropping yes. at whatever stage, but there are some things I have found that really help have helped me. I don't know if balance is the right word, but at least continue to chip away at things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. So when I was talking about stepping back from things, like those are all the extra things. Like mm-hmm. I don't write as much during like postpartum. I am not looking at my 10 year plan and figuring out what I need to check off. Like my 10 year plan at that point, like the goals are baby. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to some of the more daily types of things, one of the things that I've found is particularly helpful instead of focusing on, let's use homeschool, for example, because you have a lot of homeschool listeners. So instead of thinking about five separate subjects that I need to get to, to teach my first grader. Instead, what I've done is in my mind, I have what we're going to focus on for a particular month. Mm-hmm. And so for that month of time, I print off a calendar and if, um, okay. So f- during my postpartum time for our son, he was first grade, it was reading aloud with Keaton. And so if I had read aloud the three stories that I had set for myself as the goal, I got to count that we had worked on school for that day. Mm -hmm. Now, there were a lot of days I had a lot more bandwidth. I could do a lot more than that, but I didn't allow myself to feel guilt as long as I had had that piece done because I had spent that one-on-one attention with him Mm -hmm. and was able to work on it. And at first, I still, I wasn't sure that it would actually work, (laughs) if I'm honest, but it is incredible if you dedicate time 
and you say, I am going to do this every day, how much those drops of everyday work add up. Mm -hmm. And I think we can think we're doing things every day a lot more than we are. But if you are actually stepping in and doing one thing every day, it adds up really fast. And so then once we had done that for a month, if I felt like he had that solid or we would do it for a three month um, chunk, whatever it took in order to reach that milestone or what we needed to do. And then I would pick the next focus and it's like, okay, for this time, we're going to focus on this. And we would just chip away at it. And if I had extra time, we added in reviews and practices and fun and art and music and whatever else. Mm -hmm. But as long as I got that one cornerstone piece done, uh, then I counted it as I had done it. And the other thing is once you remove the pressure from yourself, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we launch ourselves into things in joy more Mm -hmm. readily. Yes. So instead of viewing it as an obligation, then all of a sudden it's like, I'm getting extra done today. (laughs) And it's just, it adds an entirely different feeling to it. Yes. Gives a different perspective to it all. Mm -hmm. Well, I know even, so we are, we just recently went on vacation and normally I kind of plan out like week by week, this is what we're going to do. But I Mm -hmm. am in the midst of postpartum. We had some different things going on. So there was about a three week chunk where I just said, okay, look, from now until we leave for vacation, this is the chunk of stuff that I need to get accomplished. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to say what day it needs to happen. I'm just going to say in the next three weeks, this is what yeah. we have to do. And yep. I've never quite planned it that way, but I really have loved it because like you said, some days were really busy and I could only highlight one thing, but Hey, I got my mm-hmm. one thing. And then yeah. other days I was like, Whoa, we did like 10 things. We're ahead of the game, but it was, <laughs> it was neat. So in that little glimpse, I really could see what you're talking about there of just celebrating the small, lowering that expectation so that I can mm-hmm. celebrate the small, but yeah. then yeah, finding extra joy in the extra. Yeah. And I've found like the same application has fit itself into different areas. So one of the things we did for this summer, I don't have a newborn. It's great because it works as building blocks. Mm -hmm. So what we did, um, we finished our schoolwork for this year and I'd still felt a little bit like I was running on a treadmill and never quite getting ahead. And our oldest is eight now. And so I was like, you know what, we're going to take the first couple weeks of the summer And every day, what I'm going to count instead of school, like my one daily goal is going to be, we are going to work on establishing a morning routine. Mm -hmm. And so um, what that goal looked like for me is if I told our kids, do your morning routine, they would know to um, get dressed, make their bed, clear the breakfast dishes off the table, put their dirty clothes from their room to the wash machine and practice piano. Mm. So two words could trigger a whole string of things that I had trained them to know how to do. Yes. And so we would, work, we would work on that together. We would talk about how, well, this is just part of how our family culture works. We're a family that works together, make mm-hmm. it a really positive thing. And then for us at the end of that, I would let them watch their TV show. And what they didn't know is I was already going to probably let them do that anyway. It's summer. Things are a little looser, but like that was the reward for having finished their morning routine. And so now they complete their morning routine before I ever even get out of Mm -hmm. bed. And so once we had um, spent two, three weeks and I knew they had that down solid, then we added evening routine. Yes. And so for evening routine, they clear the table, they load the dishwasher, they put all the dishes from the sink into the dishwasher, like all the laundry is being taken to the um, 
laundry room, the trashes are emptied and the yard is cleaned up. And so all we have to do is say, it's time for our evening routine. Mm -hmm. And they just go down their little picture thing. And so now those two things are really well established. So when we're starting school back in again, like I can pick a different focus, but I still have my trigger words. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think I was telling someone today, I think it's really easy. I don't, did I tell you I grew up homeschooled also? No. Oh, okay. So I think for me, it can be easy to look back at having been homeschooled Mm -hmm. and view all of it as my childhood. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself to, um, to do all of it with my kids at the time they're five, Mm -hmm. not understanding like things change, what it looks like with your oldest being, did you say six or seven? She's five and a half. She'll be six this fall. Okay. So even tinier, like what it looks like to have your oldest being five and a half is going to look really different from having an eight to 12 year old Mm -hmm. and really embracing like what those stages look like. And reading aloud and reading chapter books and even some of this morning and evening routine stuff isn't necessarily in reach the same way Mm -hmm. at that stage of life. And so it's like not being so idealistic to Mm -hmm. want to capture all of what every homeschool mom is talking about in every stage of life, but like working and growing into that and releasing yourself from the pressure, like for you, I don't even know that doing like a morning basket is like, I had put pressure on myself at that stage to be doing that. It's like, how is this realistic? Like, it just looks so beautiful, but my children won't sit and listen to poetry and I must be failing as a homeschool mom. And I want to read a chapter and like, they're listening to classical music and like all these things. I just, I had a friend the other day message me and she was like, we have girls. Well, all of our kids are at the same stages. And she was like, so what do you do with your toddler during morning basket or how do you do read alouds when you have Ivy, yeah. my toddler? And yeah. I was like, you know, some days it works, some days it doesn't. Some we days just it doesn't. go with the flow. And I mean, it can be a picture book mm-hmm. at that stage. Yeah. And like, I think I was, I was viewing the feast of beauty and looking at what someone with a 12 year old was doing and yes. thinking I had to emulate that for my five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And like, well, this is a five-year-old and a 12-year-old is not yeah. the same thing. No, we're you not know? singing and Mozart, but you know, we can yeah. clap to Bible yes. songs and nursery yes. rhymes. Yes. Yeah. And we were doing that. We were turning on slugs and bugs and having a dance party. And then we were reading a bunch of picture books, but since it didn't look like the older homeschool mom stuff, then I didn't count it as like what we're doing. And mm-hmm. I think in the last year, I think where I found my joy in homeschooling now is because I'm allowing it to look like what it looks like for us right now at this yeah. stage, instead of thinking it has to look like this step ahead is mm-hmm. going to look. Yes. And constantly auditing, like, as I'm like, Ooh, that looks fun. What age are her kids? You mm-hmm. know, and really looking at whose life I'm applying to my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and practically seeing like what stage of life is she at? And yes. Yeah. Well, I love to your emphasis on that one thing, even for like, you know, a month or a set period of time, because a lot mm-hmm. of the things you mentioned are really like habit forming things. And mm-hmm. I love that, especially thinking, applying that to my age group of kids. You know, yeah. if I'm going to establish a morning routine, that really needs something. That's something that needs a set amount of time of focus, yeah. of practice, of modeling, of working through before yeah. we've mastered it and we can move on. So I love that reminder to just set a goal. 
and focus in on that one thing and then know that, hey, at some point in the future, we'll pretty well have a grip on this and then we can introduce the next thing. But just figuring out like what's important and what helps, what are those building blocks that kind of help? Like now, like you said, you have morning and evening down. So once school Mm -hmm. starts in the fall, that will help you. You'll already be at a different level of starting. That will be so helpful. So I love that. That was a great reminder. Well, and then the other thing is like for people just starting Morning Basket is you could do, you could read one short poem Mm -hmm. if you're trying to establish that as a habit and count it as this was our Morning Basket Mm -hmm. time. Like I, you don't have to go at it with like all of these various elements when you're trying to get started. It's so cool that you've already established like different routines. I absolutely am not going to talk you out of that. But I think for like when we're just starting something, if someone hasn't started it, instead Mm -hmm. of trying to do the full collection of everything that they've seen it is, and it can be so beautiful to be, um, but like get a basket and put a picture book in it and then take the picture book out and read that one. Mm -hmm. And you've done your morning basket time. And then maybe three months down the road, you've added, um, a hymn to it too. And so then you have your hymn and your book and you count it as your morning basket. Um, but trying to start too many things at a time at the beginning, because everything's so new, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you have your first baby, it's the hardest thing in the whole world to have one baby. Mm -hmm. And like, I know you can probably say now like, oh, it, like it's a vacation if I have my one baby. <laughs> to only have one child. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's hard to have one child because yes. you've never done yes. any of it before. And so it's just even more overwhelming because it's the first time you've done any of this. It's your first mm-hmm. sleep regression. It's your first time all of a sudden they went from nursing and now they have FOMO and they have to look at everything, you know? And then when you have your second kid, like, having multiples, it's the hardest thing Mm -hmm. in the whole world. Like now you have a toddler and a baby and how are you supposed to do this? Um, but the more that you add on the higher capacity you get, but if you just all of a sudden handed somebody four Mm -hmm. children, it would probably often shatter the person, you know? And so looking at the tasks that we're adding on being the same, instead of trying to launch into homeschool of like, and now we're doing everything Mm -hmm. like, easing slowly into it with routines, especially if you already have something like a new baby or, Mm -hmm. you know, something small, like a new baby. (laughs) (laughs) Small in size, not in change of family dynamic. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. Talking about just this postpartum, this birth year, and really just thriving through that. um, I think another thing that might be helpful to address is, is it okay to ask for help? You know, I know my personality... I don't like to ask for help. I Mm -hmm. like to have it all together, whether I really do or I'm just faking it. Um, But I've had to learn that it's okay and I need to set my pride aside and ask for the help. Yeah. And it was interesting. I was talking to somebody yesterday and we were saying, we get offered help so often Mm -hmm. and we choose not to receive it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the thing I found with my third baby that ended up being really helpful is when uh, someone would ask if they could help, I would ask, what are three things or what are three ways you see that working? Mm -hmm. And like allow them to list out ways that they feel like they could help. Because I did, 
I found I would ask for something, but then it wasn't within the that person's capacity to be yes. able to do. Um, and then as someone who's now trying to give help mm-hmm. when I'm sending, instead of just let me know if you need anything because that's it's too broad and it's too hard to ask for what you need in that scope. Um, but if someone has passed or if a new baby is there, like, can I bring food? Can I watch your kids or can I come clean your toilets? And Mm -hmm. because those are three things I know I can volunteer to do. Like I'm not particularly good at picking up other people's groceries. I know some people have that gift. I don't have that gift. And depending on what part of the city somebody's in, I can't always even take a meal. Like I could take a freezer meal or a sheet pan and bring it earlier, Mm -hmm. but trying to trek 30 minutes North and back when I'm trying to feed my own family isn't particularly doable. So both when you're trying to receive help and when you're trying to give help, creating a little bit more parameters in that, I think can help everybody feel more comfortable in that process. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, What about like asking maybe your husband or some of those immediate closest to you, parents, grandparents, you know, in-laws? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you asked this because it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, So what I've done is I've created a chart of one to 10 Mm -hmm. and it's like 10 is the best day that I could have. Like not in the, like I've gone to a circus and it's been a lot of fun type of best day, but like when your feet touch the ground, you know, there's some of days that you just have all the energy in the world. You're ready to go and ready to go for it. Mm -hmm. And then there's some days before your eyes even open, you just, this isn't going to be a good day. (laughs) Yeah. It's sapped and, So what I did is I paid really close attention for a couple of months and like would write um, words of how my body was feeling at each of those numbers. And then I would um, list things that I had found would take it not up to a 10. So like if I was at a two, Mm -hmm. my goal wasn't to be at a 10 by the end of the day, but I would see if I could take it from a two to a three. So as long as you're making progress in the correct direction, it it helps it to be a good day because mm-hmm. we tend to feel better if things got better. Um, another thing somebody said that was really helpful for me is don't classify your bad moment as having had a bad day because mm-hmm. we can get like eight o'clock in the morning, everything hits the walls, then really the rest of the day goes pretty good. But because you had that bad moment kicking your day off, then in your body, you start to feel like it was just a horrible day. Mm -hmm. And you can't really figure out why it was a horrible day until you look back and you're like, no, it was really just like this 30 minute chunk was horrible. Like it really was horrible. But um, then we tend to identify our entire day with Mm -hmm. what was really just 30 minutes. Okay. Sorry. Back to what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> that was just so helpful. I couldn't help. Yes. Not, no, that is. So, um, so we tend to think of our day as being a good day if it ends in a better place than where we started it. Mm-hmm. So the next thing I started doing is just like mapping out different things that helped take my day up to the next level. And my husband jumped in on it with me and he would text me. Uh, and ask what number are you at today before coming home from work? So it helped him know what to expect. And I gave him the chart so he could reference, okay, this means she can't get off the couch. She's probably cried five times today. And um, like everybody's falling apart. So when he comes home, he has spent his 20 minute car ride knowing this is what I'm about to walk into. And Mm -hmm. instead of never knowing what he's going to get when he hits the door. Yes. And so 
if he knew that I was at that stage, then I would map out like, okay, if I can just get like 30 minutes to myself, I can probably reset. I think Mm -hmm. that was around the three or four. If I can get 30 minutes, just take a deep breath and then I'll be ready to cook dinner and it'll be okay. Um, just take the kids for a walk and we're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, or there's days like he would text and I'm at a seven. And so that means, yay, we're ready to launch in. Like supper's probably already started. Yeah. We can sit out on the deck. This is a great time to ask like, Hey, do you want to work on that one thing that we've been talking about for a while? And so instead of him coming home and I'm at a two Mm -hmm. and him asking like, do you want to work on that one thing? And I tear his head off. Like, (laughs) you know, like it, it just, it helped us start to prepare. So then I wasn't exactly asking for help, Mm -hmm. but he was asking where I was at and had kind of pre-agreed that he would work on some of these things if I was feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And it just helped us to pull together. Yes. And I've had enough moms talk to me about it since then. Like I want to acknowledge not everybody's husband has the same type of job my husband has. Like some people's husband work, they work very long hours and they do manual labor and they're coming home at a one or a two every day. Mm -hmm. And so, um, someone commented in that they had been using the numbers chart that way. And if they added their numbers together, so he would give her a number and she would give him a number. Yes. And if it didn't equal a certain amount, that meant he picked up pizza on the way Uh, home. Or they would have ways that the two of them could both tap out and just know like, this is where we're at and we're not going to try to do anything fancy or be anything fancy. Mm -hmm. We're both depleted and not going to have those expectations of each other. Yes. So, um, uh, at my website, sunshine in my nest. I was going to say, where can we find this chart? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I have the chart that is, so I did one that's for husbands and wives together. Okay. So if your husband's on your team and wants to help you do that, or if your mother-in-law's on your team or your mom is on your team Mm -hmm. and you know, you can say, mom, help. I'm at a two. And she can like have these things that she knows will be really helpful to you. Mm -hmm. But then for people who don't have a support system, like I believe we can be our own support system to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Like it's not going to look as holistic as if we have other people in helping us, but there are things we can do. Um, and that, that could mean if you don't let your kids watch TV, which I mean, I am for, I like, I would love for us to be as screen free as much as possible, but if you're at a two and it's the option of you give your kids screen time or you're screaming at them, like Mm -hmm. giving your kids screen time is, is the preference. And so being really realistic with like, what is my capacity right now? And sometimes it may just be, I need to turn music on and light a candle and like restore my soul, like, Mm -hmm. and get a little bit of gospel truth percolating in there. It may be, um, I haven't had any art for a while in my life. And so I need to create something beautiful and Mm -hmm. creating beauty is going to feed my soul. Like I, there's just, I had, hundreds of women submit what worked for them and then tried to file it as much as possible under numbers. So I've loved it for me. And I think it's been a resource for other people too. Yes. Well, I am excited to check that out. I'm I'm interested. I want to kind of look at it and see, you know, figure out, because I'm sure everybody's different. Everybody has different things that make that scale and then different things that counteract that and kind of restore that piece and bring them back. So I'm going to have to check that out. But well, these have been such helpful tips for me, really, like 
it's just a bonus that my listeners get to hear from you because I just wanted to get to chat and hear some of your thoughts on this postpartum. Like I said, I'm right in the middle of it. So I'm excited to hear some of these tips and this has been my best postpartum so far. And it's just been, I've just taken, you know, this advice and that advice and tried to really just embrace the season. It's not forever. Like you said, Mm -hmm. things change and then you have a new normal to get used to. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, I think the, I think the more babies you have, the more you realize how short it is. Like, it just seems like every baby, it flies faster. Yes, it does. And they they grow so quickly. This, my fourth was the biggest baby that I've had. So it just makes it feel even faster. But I just, I can't hold her enough. I feel like the time is going so quickly. Yes. Um, So just adding, implementing things into my life to help me feel free and have the grace to kind of embrace some of this season. And yeah, homeschooling looks different for us right now, but that's okay. We'll get back on a different track, but right now we're going to focus on that one thing. And so, well, this has been so helpful for me and I know it's going to be helpful for my listeners. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode. It was so fun to talk to you. You as well. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.